0: In the fall of 2002, I saw a tarot reader in Los Angeles. I had just been cast in a movie that was about to film in Prague for six months. I was 30 years old, anxious and searching. My mind was a void, and I wanted someone to fill it. I wanted to hear the story of who I would become, what signs I should seek along the way. I wanted an outline, if not an epiphany, After all, that's why we open our checkbooks to fortune tellers. Tell us a tale. Make it wild. Make it entertaining. But make it our own. The reader was named T. And she looked a bit like a Berkeley professor. Very thin. Very intellectual. Large eyes framed by black bangs falling straight across her forehead. She kept a hanky. Tucked in one palm. Her breath smelled of Altoids. A skinny black cat curled up at her feet. As we spoke, I learned that T used to be a therapist, a profession she left to fully utilize her gifts. In all ways, she seemed like a good captain to have on this metaphysical journey, the right person to relay the drama of my life. T was not my first intuitive. For much of my life, I'd sought out such stories from mystics and chakra healers, mediums and numerologists past-life therapists, and astrologers. My fascination goes way back to when I was a child, growing up in Southfield, Michigan. At a birthday party in second grade, my friend Melissa Stern's glamorous mother dressed up as a fortune teller, a sparkling vision and a headscarf, and layers of necklaces and bracelets. Melissa's mom was beautiful and lived in a giant house which felt like evidence enough that she could see into the future, or at the very least, that her words must have some merit. When it was my turn, she stared into a crystal ball, traced the lines on both my palms, closed her eyes, held my little hands, and told me that when I grew up, I was going to be a beautiful actress. There will be so many boys throughout your life that there will be a line. Mrs. Stern said as she swept the air with her finger to indicate a long queue of men waiting to swoop me off my feet. Seven-year-old me couldn't imagine why on earth she thought this. I had heavy eyebrows and stringy hair and did not believe myself to be an especially attractive child. And though I was prone to dramatic outbursts, the idea of performing in front of an audience terrified me. But I wanted so desperately to believe it. So convinced was I, by Mrs. Stern's future-predicting abilities, that I internalized every word. I couldn't wait to tell my mother, who would delight in the news. As soon as my mom drove up in her navy blue 1979 Corvette, the Evita soundtrack blaring, I climbed into the back. Our cute neighbor Todd, a little older than I was, settled into the white leather bucket seat that was tinged yellow from cigarette smoke. I wanted them both to know what was predicted for me, so I spilled it all. Mrs. Stern read my fortune, and she said I'm going to be a beautiful actress, I bragged. I wanted my mother to be impressed. I wanted Todd to notice me. Even at age seven, I knew beauty was a rare prize. (laughs) Yeah, right, Todd scoffed. That's ridiculous, my mother said as she pulled out of the Stern's long driveway. Once we are safely out of view, She took a drag off her Vantage cigarette. She exhaled against the dashboard, filling the car with curls of smoke. Why would she tell you that? Besides, if you do grow up to be beautiful, emphasis on the if, and tall, emphasis on the and, you'll be a model, or you'll marry an oil man and spend your days on his yacht. That settled it. My mother's word was gospel. End of discussion. I looked out the window. As it happened, Mrs. Stern's prediction for me came true, at least in part. I was an actress, and by this point I'd gone through my fair share of men, even an oil man, whom I eventually found lacking. But I was still searching, still unsatisfied, still restless and stuck, still desperate to please still prone to periods of overwhelming despair, still binge drinking when I couldn't make sense of what to do next or needed to escape my body.